Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey George. Hey Lions, how's it going? Uh, it's it's uh, you know what I spent my day doing was uh, carrying out a pointless vendetta and then mm-hmm. uh, raising my children to continue my vendetta unquestioningly mm-hmm. after my death. And yes. most crucially, to make sure that they make their children continue. Really, it's just a, it's like a, some sort of legacy, like a, I can't think of a good word for it, but it's like a vendetta legacy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a, a, a legacy of, it, it's almost biblical in a way, you know? Like, yeah, a like lot of you, begets and begats. It's true. And, and, and although, like in the Bible, I, even the Bible stopped at the fourth generation, you know? <laughs> Like, is that, are we going to use the Bible as like a standard of literature? Like, oh my God, even in the Bible, they only had one flood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a hell of a flood, but but they did they did only do that once. But yes, no, we played Rogue Legacy, which I just I I, I love it for two reasons. One is because like obviously the the entire thing is based upon like your children and your children and your your legacy, right? But this is also a legacy from the original game, you know. So it's like. It's just that that like tickles my brain in that very, very nice, special way. Yes. No, I am. I have in my notes to explain that if you didn't explain it. So I'm glad we are 100 percent on the same page with that, because it's it's just one of those. You know what it is? It's the song Yellow Diamond sings. What's the use in feeling blue? Because yeah. it's it's what's the use in feeling sad and also what's the use in feeling at all because her name is blue. And yes. it's just yeah. it's like it's not that deep and nuanced of a use of the English language, but it's just really satisfying anyway. Well, I think that, that to me, it's kind of like, you know, I, what, I, what I really imagine is that people were saying, I was like, OK, we want to make a, a sequel to Rogue. We're going to make Rogue 2. And somebody was just kind of like, okay, so so what are we what are we gonna do? It's like, well, we're we're gonna we're gonna like you know have it like be like your children, you know, like carrying on the line. It's like, like a legacy, like this game is <laughs> incentivize that employee, you know, right. just yeah, that that they are now the CEO as well. They should be because again, and and um, so yeah, so this is this is a new nostalgia goggles, right? So I as opposed to talking about like you know our nostalgia experience for this, do we want to talk about you know? how we came across this game i i do and the last thing i want to say though is the the gap here is non-trivial because whenever a game is called a rogue like they're referencing yes. a game from 1980 right way mm-hmm. way back in the day um and this game which is apparently referred to as a rogue light because it's not a full refresh of the universe every single time you die which i like right. a lot and we will get into yep. later um this came out in uh, June of 2013, so like that even makes the the title a little bit more delicious because they're all there's a lot of rogue likes between mm-hmm. Rogue and Rogue Legacy, and this is really trying to not just build on what the original Rogue set down, but continue an evolution that hasn't stopped. Right, there will be many more. There's been hundreds of more Rogue like games released since Rogue oh, Legacy yeah. was released. Right, so that this is an ongoing legacy, which fits in really, really nicely. 
Absolutely. No. And I thought, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get into, you know, like the, 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 the visuals, the sound, the mechanics, but I thought that they, they did overall a good job kind of saying like, okay, a lot, a lot of games, like literally this game created the genre. I mean, it is, it is on par with Metroidvania, you know, where it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, it, it, it is, it is the genre. I am the state, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so so that's, 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 but like they really kind of like looked at it and said, like, okay, so then if we're going to pin this and say, like, we are doing Rogue Legacy, how do we approach that in a way that it's not just another roguelike? This has to be like the roguelike. It has to be a spiritual successor to it. And, uh, and I thought that they made some very interesting decisions to keep, maintain that, but also update it and, you know, make it relevant. So but, how, how did you discover this game? Because my story is short. You introduced me to this game. And, yes. and I was really shocked that I had never heard of it because I was like, this is kind of right up my friggin' alley. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> that I missed this. Granted, my life was very tumultuous at this particular time in history. Like, I had just moved. I just started a new job. I just got married. My wife was pregnant. Like, a lot of crap going on in the middle of 2013. Um, but I, I really surprised I hadn't heard about this until you were like, oh, we should totally friggin' play this game because it's awesome. So <laughs> what what is your story? Well, and it was funny too, just to, to from from my seat on your story was when we were just discussing like, oh, you know, what do we want to do for another new nostalgia goggles? I'm like, well, I've actually been playing Rogue Legacy. We should do that. It's it's really good. And you're like, what? I was like, really? Like I was floored <laughs> that you hadn't heard about it. I was like, like how? There's no way that I I stumbled my way into this before you. I was like, yeah, no, check it out and send you the link. And then you, I think you texted me back saying like, this looks awesome. Let's do it. And so then that was. And thus, thus it became the, the, the reality that we now inhabit. Um, so for me, actually, I had heard, I had heard of this game because, you know, like I listen to a lot of like gaming, you know, YouTube channels and things like that, you know, so that way I can continue to educate myself. So that way I can speak in a, you know, more educated way about what we do here. Um, so I had heard this game, like this name kind of floating around and mentioned a number of times. Um, and then what actually what happened was Teddy, my son, really uh, has taken to playing Celeste, um, because, which was another one that we did on Nostalgia Goggles. And I didn't install, uninstall from my PlayStation. And he has just been playing the bejesus out of that, by which I mean, <laughs> he plays, plays it, dies a whole bunch of times, and then makes me play it. Right. So Same, same difference. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had become weary of playing Celeste because it's not, it's, it's not a low-key game, you know, like it's intentionally frustrating you know yeah and and to have someone else come to you and angrily hand you the controller and be like ah it's like yeah Yeah, so i was searching for other games for teddy to play and i i was like you know what game would be very similar but you know like within the same style because i tried a couple of different ones and none of them were landing and i realized i'm like well let's let's just look at 2d side scroller went with shovel knight right i was like i'm gonna go buy shovel knight you know because I'm, I, I know that that's in the same genre of like you know nostalgia and all sorts of stuff. And literally, while it was downloading, like the it was like people who liked this also liked these other games. And Rogue Legacy was on there, and it was on sale for five dollars. And mm. I said, "Well, I would be remiss to not <laughs> buy this, right? I'd be, at these prices, I should buy two. <laughs> ah, Zoidberg, you're finally becoming a crafty consumer. <laughs> Hi, I'll take eight. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I just went ahead and, and purchased that and, you know, started playing. I'm like, this is really, really enjoyable. So then that's, that was kind of how I 
stumbled across it was it was just an add-on buy, and I've actually played that way more than I played Shovel Knight. So, so every time you say that a like an Instagram ad or a people who liked style ad actually led to you spending money, someone in San Francisco gets their wings. Like it's <laughs> some 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 tech bro just like got a little shiver and was like, oh, see, 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 these ads totally work. It doesn't matter that they fail like 99.9% .9 of the time. But the fact that you bought a game, which led yep. to me also buying the game because of a a people who like this also purchased like that. That's it. <laughs> yep. That's it. That, that, that just justified their, their salary for the year. But, so I, yeah. I will say, yeah, when you, so you turned me on to this game and I, I looked it up and I, I don't want to exaggerate and say that the downtime between you recommending it and me buying it was like under an hour, but <laughs> I don't think it was much longer than that because I was looking at it and like, I watched a little bit of the gameplay and like I read about it and I was like, man, this looks this looks pretty fun. This is kind of an interesting premise. And then I went to, cause I actually didn't get it on console. I bought it for uh, PC. So I mm -hmm. went to their website and their marketing website is actually like this kind of silly marketing humor that is like endearing and not frustrating. Mm. And I was like, Oh man, I could buy this cheaper somewhere else, but I really just want to give this guy my money. So, <laughs> so, so I just, I bought it for, I mean, big air quotes, full price. It was still only $15. Um, right. And now, you know, I have it on steam and I blah, blah, blah. But I was like, the, the, this is, you know, so another guy in San Francisco just went like, Ooh, marketing copy sells, right? Like, this is, <laughs> this is like, so it, it's, there's, there's something to be said for a company that has like a, like an end to end experience, like playing the game is good, but also like interacting with the people who made the game is good. Like mm -hmm. watching let's plays attracts like a certain kind of player. So you get like, there's a, a kind of a community around it. And that sounds really lame and terrible. And I think we should immediately move on. <laughs> <laughs> so to visuals, visuals, this game certainly had them. Um, what, 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 what were your thoughts? So the, I'm going to start with a nitpicky thing because I want to know if you notice this. And if not, I really hope I'm about to shatter some glass for you. Uh, the, the game is all pixel art, right? It's, it's a hundred percent pixel art minus maybe like a couple particle effects here and there. Um, but mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think so. I think it's actually a hundred percent pixel art, but um, the thing that I noticed is they are using pixel art for aesthetic reasons, not as an artistic limitation. And what that means is there are times when the resolution of one sprite and the resolution of another sprite, they ain't even the same sport. Like they're totally different. So like the, the giant skeletons are a great example. They yeah. are the same sprite as the smaller skeletons scaled up, which means all of their pixels are like double or tripled. So now mm -hmm. a thin black line is a big old thick black line, right? And because the other sprites might have like little thin black lines or some of them don't have black outlines at all, which is, I'm not complaining about that, but like when there's a gigantic thick black outline and then this other sprite doesn't even have a black outline, like you notice it. And then the backgrounds are typically rendered at a way higher resolution than the sprites are. So when mm -hmm. you look at like the castle or you look at some of like the fire effects and things, there's this massive discrepancy where the castle, because it's stationary has a lot more kind of like TLC poured into it and a much higher level of detail in a denser 
uh, pixel ratio. And then like the flame effect is like four pixels and it like, it doesn't look bad, but it just is a totally different amount of information used to convey this is fire versus this is a brick in the wall. And I just like, <laughs> it, I don't think it's a bad thing, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop noticing it because at first I was just like, why does everything seem like it's outlined in Sharpie? No. <laughs> why do some things feel like they're outlined in Sharpie? Wait, why do only huge things feel like they're outlined in Sharpie? <laughs> and then like, once I kind of put it together, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a thing you couldn't really do in the old days. Like you couldn't mix and match pixel densities quite this way. And it it's just, right. it, it immediately gives it away as a new game using a classic art style, which again, this isn't a critique so much as like just a, a personal opinion. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and, and as we've kind of mentioned before is that, uh, you know, the idea is, is I think that that's in line with what we've seen with other nostalgia done right games where it's, uh, like now the, the the huge skeletons not being resed the same as you know like the normal skeletons like them them just blowing them up that i i, I noticed that and and honestly I, I just you see them infrequently enough that it didn't really grind on me but having a higher resolution for some other things that like would have been beyond impossible <laughs> um you know is is i think mostly because i mean literally I, I know these two guys who have an entire podcast on does this hold up to your rose colored, you know, <laughs> glasses. Right. So, so I think that's the thing is that, you know, they, 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 the game makers anticipate the fact that like you're remembering Mega Man being way more beautiful than it actually was, you know? So they're just putting that extra, like, but, but if they, if they did that additional like resolution, that additional like TLC on the pixel art like characters that you're focused on you'd be like well this isn't a nostalgia game at all it doesn't have that nostalgic art style but if they do it in the background then it just feeds your brain like look at how beautiful this looks it doesn't look bad you know like they're able to do things like that to immerse you in it the way you remember being immersed in it um without uh actually taking it to the point where you're like no this is no longer this is clearly impossible it it bends what you're it is doing things that are impossible, but it bends what your mind thinks is possible. It doesn't shatter it. It doesn't break it. Yeah, you, know? you you end up with an illusion as opposed to a failed magic trick, right? Because a failed magic trick where, like, the guy drowns or the the you see him, you know, have the key in his cheek and that's how he picks the handcuffs, like, that's that's unspectacular and not funny and is just sad, but like a successful mm -hmm. illusion. Like even if you are aware that you have been tricked, like uh, to steal a line from the fantastic prestige, like you want to be fooled. Like you want to yeah. remember those old games as being as amazing as they sometimes were, but often were not. Um, one of the visual things that they did um, as far as like visuals and service of gameplay that I was really um impressed with was is it the um, ridiculous how, walk the night has because <laughs> i super love that okay well that, that was visual for the sake of visual and i did love that man i love how he's just like he is just gung-ho like like they are just into it you know like i'm gonna go storm the castle and and it was amazing um especially uh what, what really threw me with that was the spell sword who, yes who doesn't have a sword yeah it doesn't have a sword until they swing you know so it's just kind of like I saw that. I was like, man, they are just, they are just, they're, they're just, they're having a blast, man. They're, Commit, they're doing committed that. to the bit. Committed to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was uh, what they did with off-screen projectiles visually. I thought they handled oh, the little like heads-up bubble. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, 
I thought that that was like handled very, very well because like, especially, you know, for some of the projectiles, they are, they are moving too quickly for you to react to them. The moment they come on the screen, you have to know that this is coming for you. So it's, it's called out visually in a way that you, there's no mistaking that it is not on the screen, you know, mm-hmm. like, like it's very clearly like, you know, it's, it's on the periphery. It's a little, like, like you said, like a HUD bubble. Yeah. It's like, a, um, it's like a tool tip, like go over here to get to the next town. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it comes down, but then like, you know, right when it enters the screen, that disappears and you see the actual projectile. But the fact that they called that out to you and and again, and we'll get into this more mechanics, but Rogue Legacy, it follows its own rules, you know, like pretty, pretty hardcore. So, you know, if if there's an enemy that you can damage, you can damage that enemy. If you can, if you can, if you get the gigantic person and you can <laughs> smash through a wall if you can get your sword to hit that enemy you can damage them you know like those are the rules you know so uh so the fact that you know um that that they were so consistent with that visual you know like really was able to feed me information so that way i could make i i, I never felt like just something came out of nowhere because we played nostalgic game but older games with that were like something comes in from off screen and nails you and you're like i I didn't know that that existed until it was too late for me to do anything about it. That never happens. If you get hit, it's your fault. Yeah, and they only do it with projectiles because I think projectiles can move f- like so the there's little flaming skull guys, right? And they mm-hmm. shoot the little white like balls. Those projectiles do not get the little off-screen marker because their projectiles are moving slow enough that if it comes onto the screen, you have time to respond. But then there's like the little turrets and there's the the skeletons that throw an infinite number of femurs. Those projectiles bones and fall out. <laughs> exactly. Those uh projectiles move way faster than you could possibly respond if you didn't know that it was coming. So you get that tooltip. So not only are they consistent about it, but they are consistent. You need to know about this tooltip because there's about to be no tooltip and you're about to die. Whereas with the slower ones, they don't also have the tooltip there because that would almost be, that would like trick you because you would like jump or dodge too early. And then when you landed like an idiot, the thing would have, you know, slowly plotted its way over to you and bonked you. And you'd be like, God, <laughs> but yeah i thought i thought that that was a very very necessary visual especially because like in a in a roguelike which are known for being unforgiving not punishing but unforgiving you know where it's just kind of like if you because i'm and, and this is straying in the mechanics a little bit but i i remember when i you know like kind of walked in the first time having just played celeste a lot where death is and i mean death isn't punished in this game either but you know where like i, I walked in and i took some damage i was like okay wait, health drops are few and far between. And, um, and I only have some, every hit counts. Huh? You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing is that every, every hit like changes the way that you're like, like calculating and viewing. So because of that, they can't ever hit you unfairly, you know? Right. Like when I would go running into, like there would be sometimes where I would run in, like I would go guns blazing into an area and just straight up run into somebody and you could make the argument that I was running in so quickly that, like, because everything moves relative to you, that the the speed at which they entered the frame was faster than I could have reasonably reacted to it. But I did that to me. Like, I went in, you know, like, all all crazy and like, oh, I've got this, you know. So so it felt, it felt fair. And I felt that the visuals did that 
what did you think of the hitbox? Okay, so <laughs> I will answer that question in a minute, but the comment you just made uh, made me realize something that actually didn't show up in my notes, but the minute you said that, I was just like, wait, that did piss me off, which is because every hit counts and you need to be like kind of referencing your health, I don't feel like the HUD is designed all that great. And th this is a visual that you really super need, right? You really super need to know how many hit points you currently have, how much MP you currently have. And the bar, because it, it's, I kind of don't love this visual style, but it's a bar with a number over it. So mm. you can just quickly reference the size of the bar and say like, oh, I have 80% of my green bar filled. Or you can look at the number and see that it's, you know, 400 out of 500 hit points, right? That. That checks out. Yes. Um, so like the, I, if it was bigger or if like it, it noticeably, uh, noticeably changed more because different classes have tremendously different amounts of hit points. And there oh, would yeah. be, there would be times where I would look up in the corner and I was like, Oh dear God, this person only has like 120 hit points. And the person I'd been playing two seconds ago had like 300 or 400 hit points. And it's like the bar is bigger for the person who has twice as many hit points, but it sure as hell isn't twice as big. So like you, right. you don't have this super quick visual reference. And what I ended up doing was squinting at the number a lot and just trying to read the actual number underneath the bar. So mm. that was something that like I found was a little acting against me because I agree with you mechanically you really super care if you are taking damage how much damage you're taking how fast you're taking it how soon you're going to stop taking damage and yep. the way you decide how you're going to handle this situation that is killing you is going to be really different if you are hours from death minutes from death seconds from death like and the the hp bar just didn't i didn't feel like it gave me enough information to either be able to glance at it super quickly or just always feel like it was in my periphery. Like I had to look at it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree to you, were you that, that there is a cost of entry to assess your hit points. I mean, like, you know, it's not like you have to, you, you know, like take, take, get on a flight to California and, you know, like sit in a meeting and then, you know, like query your hit points. I mean, like it is just a, a glance, <laughs> but I mean, that that is meaningful in, in a video game. So there is a high cost of entry to that. Like, for this one, it that it didn't bother me, and I'm I'm trying to think as to why. And what I'm basically coming up with is the fact that it's kind of supposed to be like you could make the argument. It, it, it could just be that it wasn't thought out, but like you could make the argument that it's kind of supposed to be because like I, you 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 don't always know what your hit points are, you know. So the idea is that like you know there's there's that additional like stress and fear that like when I'm when I was in the middle of you know. The, the 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 mess where like everything's firing the million projectiles and everybody's everywhere and you're ducking weaving and dodging the fact that i did not inherently know my hit points made it not a math problem you know like to me that kind of pulled me a little bit more into the experience because i'm not running calculations in my head of how like you just said like how much damage am i taking how long am i going to be taking it like all that sort of stuff it's like like no i can't get hit at all because i don't even really know what my hit points are at this point you know um, yeah, and I get it's possible because I, I think you may be a slightly better player at this style of game than I am. 
And I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, we're, judging we're, by our death tallies. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of those were your son, which I think is they, super they appropriate. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think you, you may have a slight edge on me. And because I felt like I was struggling a lot early in the game, like when I would be in a situation where there was just crap flying everywhere and it was very bullet helly, like mm-hmm. I felt a tremendous sense of being overwhelmed. Which, I mean, in the designer's defense is exactly how they wanted me to feel. (laughs) (laughs) So they, I mean, they accomplished their goal, but I felt like, like I don't even have the option to have my HUD in front of me in a way that I feel like I'm getting constant updates. It's like I can ping that information occasionally and I don't get to decide that schedule because depending on how much crap is on the screen decides how occasionally I can look at the HUD. So Again, like this isn't really a critique of the design because I think that is an intentional design choice as you're you're suggesting. I just don't like it, (laughs) (laughs) which is which is fair because to me, like there were a couple of times when I got that projection into the experience, you know, that I really enjoyed, which like, you know, at one point I I think I was using the knives. Right. And so I was just I I I threw a knife, threw a knife, jump, hit, threw a knife. And then I went to throw a knife and I, it, I duffed it because I'd blown through all of my MP, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so arguably that, that's, a, that's a bad thing, right? Like I made a decision without, you know, like I made the wrong decision because I didn't have all the information that I needed to make it. But to me, like I was sitting there, you know, just dropping bad guys left and right in this like huge tower, like, like, like huge tower that was everything was against me. And then I just like reached like Indiana Jones style, reached for the gun and it wasn't <laughs> there, you know, and then I was like, crap. And then I like, had to double back and like, you know, like double jump and back off and like kind of b- gain some distance because I was like, oh, God, you know, like I've got to I've got to rethink my strategy now because I'm out of magic. Um and this this relates this is more of a mechanics thing, but it does relate to what you're talking about. Um, it, we'll we'll get into it way more. But each of the characters have like abilities, you know, like traits. Yeah, right? each, each of the classes. Um, well, e- each of the classes have traits, but like like the traits can be independent of the class. Oh, you mean like uh, like the upside down guy and like yeah. nostalgic, where everything's all grainy. Those, those traits, yes, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, one of them is uh, you feel no pain. I forget because they always gave like the actual like name of it. You know the clinical definition. Yeah, you know? and and then the explanation is often, frequently, almost always useless. And they yes. want you to discover through gameplay what they mean, which again I think is totally on brand. But yeah, go exactly. on. Um, but uh, one of them was uh, you don't feel pain. And did you did you ever play a character with that trait? Yes, but I think that was on my list of ones that I wasn't confident I knew what the effect was. It it you can't see what your hit points are at all. Oh dear God. Yeah. No, like your your hip it's just it's just empty. Like it just you don't know. And I and that was like the awesome thing is because when I was deciding my progeny, I would think long and hard because if I was like, man, they've got the class that I want, you know, like they're they've got they're gigantic. So I mean like I like that, I like that. Oh no, they they can't feel pain. That's that's going to be rough, you know, and I, I'd really think hard about it. So, you know, like the fact that they actually take that visual completely away from you at some points to be like, hey, man, if you, if you want all this good stuff. This person doesn't feel pain. And I like that that's like a negative because it is you know, like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, man, I wish I, I didn't feel pain at all. And it's just kind of like, no, actually, that's a horrible cripple crippling problem because 
Pain is your friend, your ally. It will let you know when you have become seriously injured. You know, like it's it's, like, no, you don't wish you couldn't feel pain. You wish you couldn't be hurt. Yeah. You you wish that you were invulnerable, not that you couldn't feel pain, (laughs) (laughs) which is different, different things. But yeah, so, so, um, so that, that didn't really bug me quite as much, but, uh, but what did you think of the, um, the hitbox? So I was genuinely surprised by the hitbox in this game because it is a rogue light, right? But it still uses a lot of randomization, procedural generation, right? Like each of these screens is not lovingly handcrafted. Like there's a lot of math that just makes random nonsense happen, right? Mm-hmm. And and they do a good job of the math that makes random nonsense happen. And the best example of that I can possibly give is uh, you have on your helmet a little plume thing, you know, like a little, like the red, like thing. Um, And that is not within your hitbox. So if something passes through the little red plume thing, which is really close to your head, it doesn't stand up like a centurion. It hangs down like a medieval knight. So if something passes through that, you do not take damage. And I am positive of that because it seems like they made an intentional design choice that whenever they randomize um, like a dip. So like you walk into a room and there's like a, a drop down and a drop down like steps down that those are always certain heights and or they're almost always certain heights and they are visually very distinct from the other possible heights. So it's either giant and you obviously have to jump. It's about your height and you don't have to jump or it's very small. And since you can't duck in this game, it doesn't provide you any cover. And the reason I noticed this is because there's a, uh, like a floating spike ball trap. That's just like randomly all over the damn place. And anytime Mm -hmm. you are standing on one of those medium sized dips, that little floating spike ball, if it's on the next step up, will pass effectively through what looks like your head. And yes. and you can just stand there and let it just go back and forth right through your skull, ripping out chunks of your brain, but somehow not hurting you. And yes. I, that made me realize like, oh, the hitbox is intentionally smaller than my character sprite by like a considerable margin. And mm-hmm. the, I think the opposite is happening with your strike zone. When you swing your mm-hmm. sword, it seems to be pretty friggin' generous on what it counts as a hit. Yes. Yeah, I definitely think that the game, again, you know, like it, they, if you get hit, it's your fault, right? At hitbox, you didn't, you know, not know where your character avatar is. If you get hit, it's on you, you know? Um, it, the weird thing was because I, I noticed that too, um, you know, and, and I don't know why. Because normally I would I would classify that as like a sloppy hitbox, you know, where it's just like, no, I need to know what my hitbox is. I need to know why I'm being hit. But it was just it like like because I noticed it in the exact same way with the st- spiky ball going through your head, and I was just kind of like, that's that's odd. But then if you even hop up just the tiniest amount, like it it will then register the hit, you know, but. It was just, I don't know, like, why they did, but it just, it felt so consistent, you know? It did. That, like, I could, I could rely on it, you know? It's, it's like, I know I've got this little bit of extra give, you know? So, well, and it, it felt so I could very, on it. Th- this feels like a place where the visuals are benefiting from 
the modernity of the platform because things can move essentially on the entire coordinate plane, right? So it's 2D platformer Mm -hmm. and anything can come at you in basically any direction. Now, eventually you see all of the directions that happen, um, but there are some instances, you know, there's like the turret enemies always fire straight, except the ones that are heat seeking and like the the archers always fire at like kind of the same arc, except for the ones that fire two arrows. So like you, (laughs) you kind of learn like, Oh, this enemy sort of moves and behaves in this way. Um, but there's like a lot of enemies that do magic. There's a lot of things that are like large. And there's just a lot of times where there's just a ton of crap on the screen. So when you are barely evading your pursuers, the fact that something may have like technically passed through the top of your sprite, it's I don't think it's their way of being sloppy. I think it's their way of saying like, we didn't want to make the sprite smaller, but you cannot have this gigantic hitbox. You would be getting clocked constantly. So like to shave even just a few pixels off the top and maybe the sides, I don't I don't know about size, but definitely off the top of the hitbox is just their way of being like, yeah, because this is like disproportionately more fun for this tiny, tiny reduction in realism that you will only notice with the slow moving spike trap. You will never ever notice it in the heat of battle because there's just too much crap going on. Yeah, exactly. Now I think that, um, I I think that you're right is that what it does is it creates as opposed to like when there's a billion things on the screen and you are just feeling like you're being pummeled, it makes you feel like you're just super clever and super adept at, you know, like, ducking and weaving and dodging and like oh man i just barely got out of there that's the way it feels like it's maximizing for game feel you know like that that particular visual not for actual realism because otherwise you just like i mean even with the amount of give that that game had there were some rooms where i would walk into it and go nope and just walk right back out you know where i was like nope that's uh this is beyond my skill set or or my like character level you know like i'm like can't mm -mm, nope we're good um but there would be a lot more rooms like that if the hitbox didn't wasn't generous in that way. But for sure, uh, I I do want to ask you because um, I I had a realization because this game is a really the core uh, thing you're trying to do is explore. The core aesthetic is I would say first exploration and then close second is challenge. Right, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot of like bullet hell components where there's just sometimes a ton of crap on the screen and some enemies generate enemies. So if you are reckless, you can allow that to really get overwhelming where there's just an unacceptable amount of nonsense happening. Um, but, uh, because you go from like the castle to the forest, to the Maya, to the under dark, what's the bottom place called? The underdark. I just always kept calling it. It's not, it's not that I kept calling it hell. Cause I just, it's hell. It is hell. You know, um, I think it's the dungeon. Isn't it the dungeon? Uh, maybe. Yeah. It, it might be the dungeon, but like each of those areas has some enemies in common and there's a lot of pallet swapping going on. Even within yes. a given area, there's pallet swapping going on and it wasn't bothering me. And I was trying to figure out why. And I realized, I think it's because there's this very strong bullet hell kind of like twitch reflex uh, challenge design in this game. And palette swapping gives you a lot of information quickly because yep, I agree. when you see a, I don't know, like a, a, a yellow, Ghost, a, yeah, whatever. The, the wizard. Yeah, the wizard. You see the fire wizard and then you see the blue wizard and you're like, I know 
kind of what his deal is going to be. And he moves in the same sort of way. And his tell is the same. This game reminds you constantly, like you need to learn their tells. It matters. Right. So like they, they have, they all have the same tells if they're within like the same class or family or whatever. And I thought that that was like, this is palette swapping for good. Like they need a way to quickly convey information to me and palette swapping is a way that they can say, Hey, this looks like another thing you've dealt with. So some of that information will be useful, but not all of it. And now what you end up with is like a family of, let's say like four different enemies that are all, they all have certain things in common and they all have small differences. So now you only have to memorize the small differences. So like yellow does this blue does that green does whatever, because it's way easier to just have automatically memorized the commonalities. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like righteous palette swapping. Like this is, this is when you do (laughs) palette swapping and it it doesn't seem lazy because this is intentional and in a lot of ways necessary. If they had 300 unique enemies committing all that to, to memory would be impossible or just not fun. Right. No, it would be, it would be nightmarish. And I think that you're right that this is palette swapping used as a tool for like gameplay for gameplay purposes not as a tool to reduce costs you know which is where you see it used a lot because and and to me it it actually added to the the feeling of tension a little bit because okay so when you would walk into like like you said like let's let's take the the 300 different monsters versus the whatever 20 that there actually are right um when I would walk into a room and see if I see, saw a brand new enemy, which definitely happens, you know, like in each area there, they introduce like one or two new baddies, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah there, there's, no, a, there's no shortage of enemies, they're, but they're grouped into families. Right. So when I go and see an actual new enemy, like I would stop, you know, and be like, I don't this is a huge unknown, you know? Like, whereas most areas, when you walk in, you see stuff that you've kind of seen before. So like you said, like, you can kind of be like, okay, well, this is going to do some stuff like this and then so it would create like some hesitation but it wouldn't come you bring you to like a halt like a new enemy would so if every time you entered a new area there was like a new like 30 new enemies the pacing would be way slower whereas like with the wizards you know i particularly enjoyed them because you know you you see the first one there's the ice wizard and the fire wizard and you're like all right cool you know, they, the, the fire wizard fa- fires little fireballs. The ice wizard does his little, like, icicle thing. And then you see the green wizard for the first time. You're like, that's new. So, like you said, he moves the same way. So you don't have to memorize, like, a new movement pattern or anything like that. And you know that he's going to cast some kind of a spell. And when he does it, he puts his finger up. And it's like, oh, a little thing appeared. Oh, God, a thing appeared right underneath me. You, like, hammer the X. And you're like, I gotta go, <laughs> you know. And that, that's a fun little enjoyable thing. Or then when you see like a big one, you're like, okay, this guy is bigger. So typically bigger means more powerful. All right. And then he does like the ice spell and you're like, okay, ice. Oh my God, there's a billion icicles. <laughs> and you, <laughs> so, you know, like it, 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 it really, like you said, I, I think it hit the nail on the head where it, it gives you, they're very careful with the amount of cognitive load they're placing on you. You know, it, especially when, I think that they put it in the you know domain of pacing of the game being like for every new person like a new a brand new enemy causes this type of delay in the player whereas a palette swapped enemy causes this type of delay in the player you know speed so it's like how fast do we want them chewing through this you know like how how I think I think and this is kind of in general that they did a great job balancing 
making the player uneasy, but not making them terrified, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it it feels constantly challenging and interesting and often frustrating, but it never feels scary. It never feels like emotionally burdensome right and and that's i think making something be frustrating without making you like smash your controller is a certain kind of challenge but it is easy to overwhelm a person by just throwing huge amounts of flashing and conflicting information at them to where you could start to feel like a a minor but real amount of like kind of dread and (laughs) and you never really feel that way like it always feels like like, ah, damn it, like, don't do this to me. Don't make all these wizards be on screen at the same time, right? But you never, it's never scary. It's never, like, foreboding. Well, and the thing is that, you know, you generally know what you need to do. Like, if all of a sudden, you know, there's, you know, 15 wizards on the screen, you see it and your brain assesses it and says, like, okay, this is this is what I need to do. Like, I should draw them out or I'm just going to go in guns blazing. We have, again, the information that you need to start assessing the problem and begin coming up with countermeasures and so then they drop in those little palette swapped unknowns uh new new enemies as like new unknowns like create like a small amount of like oh this is this is new and different and you're exploring so it's interesting right you know and then they would occasionally throw in a brand new enemy type to be like okay wait what does this do all together well and and the size which you mentioned is they're not a little bigger the bigger ones are like impossible to not notice bigger so if yes. when you fight the big wizard or the huge wizard it's a really obvious like normal large extra large so you don't right. look at it and be like oh is that the big one? Oh god it is the big one like you <laughs> y- you know yeah uh, one one other the, the final thing that i have for for visuals and this is a minor thing not like an overarching thing but i really felt added to the tension of the game was the doom bosses enemy type the uh they, they're i i don't know why that name stood out to me but they are the paintings oh sorry you you put a different emphasis on that syllable um i was pronouncing mm. it doomfus oh doomfus. like canvas yeah yeah the the doomfus and the doom trit and then there's the third level i can't remember the name of it they all had cute pun names um yeah but yeah they uh the the way they look and then also sound is alarming. <sighs> yeah, it, the way they look is and 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 that's a good segue into sound. Um, but it, I thought the um, but I'm gonna crap all over it. Um, <laughs> I th- <laughs> I thought that um, I thought that, that that was a good enemy type because there are portraits everywhere, you know. And then later on, there are mimics as well. Um, and I know that that mimics are like everyone's favorite enemy type. Like you know, that is just. Oh God, I love. I mean, I don't know. As, as a DM, I, just, I love mimics so much, especially, so, especially when you you like when somebody says like, "Oh, I really like mimics," or, or "I really dislike mimics," right? Then you just always make sure to describe the treasure chest to them. You know, be like, <laughs> "Oh, well, there's this, that, and the third thing, and there's a treasure chest." And it's like, it, "Is it a treasure chest?" And 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 just ninety eight percent of the time, it is. So so can I? I have a, a side thing to your side thing. Um. Uh. Have you have you ever heard of another term for a mimic besides mimics? Mm-mm, I don't think so. Okay, so I was uh, w- one of our listeners asked, like, "Oh, what's coming up?" And I was like, "Oh, I'll give you a little, little inside scoop. Like, this is the game we're playing for the next episode." And they were like, 
oh, that's cool. And then they were like watching some gameplay and they're like, like, oh, in this one, you know, area in the, the, is this the Maya? I think where they are like, oh, in, yeah. in the Maya, there's friggin' monster chest. That's crap. And I was like, do you mean mimics? <laughs> and they're like, they were like, yeah, monster chest. And I was like, mimics, mimics, mimics. <laughs> like they're called mimics. And then I sort of had this like moment of existential dread where I was like, do I only think that that's their name because of D and D? Like, is there some other nerd thing where they've always been called monster chests? And I just never knew that. I mean, quite possibly it could be in like just some other popular RPG. They just called the monster chests and it was just maybe, <laughs> right. maybe because like it probably because it, if I had to guess, it'd be a JRPG, you know, where it's just like it tr- directly translates to monster chests, yes. you know? Yeah. And um, that actually, that's not a bad theory. Um, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I stand by, uh, they are mimics. They've always been mimics. They will always be mimics and only your fleas will mourn you. No, wait, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, I really like the, the use of particularly of the Doombus because, um, it, it does like, I, I like like an insane person i was swinging at almost every portrait you know oh yeah no you you go a little mad once you realize some of them are evil because they're skin it's a skinner <laughs> box right there's way more yeah. portraits than doom is but some of them are doom yeah some of them definitely are so like like again that that and they use them judiciously you know like it's not like every room has like five or ten portraits in it you know that could be but like literally when i'd see that it would slow me down you know and then I'd be like, oh, no, that, that, that wasn't one. And then eventually I kind of started getting halfway good at being like, this one is probably one because of where it's placed, you know, so I'm, I'm likely to come in contact with it. But sometimes I was just wrong, man. You know, I, I just made jumping and swinging part of my normal movement style. So like as I am just moving through the room, jumping and swinging at every portrait, just like the same way you would jump and swing at all the chandeliers to try and get money like that just became part of my life. So (laughs) so to the casual observer, they would be like, man, that guy sure hates paintings. Well, and that was the thing is that like to me, you know, if all of a sudden like I had a ward going with me on the adventure or something like that, or even just like another human sitting down next to me to play and be like. Why do you keep swinging at those paintings? Because some of them move. And it's like, <laughs> what? No, some of them. Some of them are monsters. There are monsters in the paintings. There, there are. No, I'm not. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Like that. That <laughs> it really does kind of make you kind of embody that the insanity that would be wearing on your character going through this horrible dungeon that their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents' parents all perished in. Begat, begat, begat. Okay, so now That's... we can do audio. Now audio. Um, I really, really liked the audio in this. I, I enjoyed all of the, the music. It was all, I felt like each of the different areas, they all have like their own little, you know, song, whatever. And, um, and it's all very fitting. The one thing I do want to call out just, just off top is the, the, the special room with the jukebox in it. <laughs> that was pretty neat. I liked that a lot. Yeah. You know? Because, like, it was just nice because, you know, sometimes you spend a lot of time in a certain area. So it's just nice once in a while to be like, oh, get to listen to some different jams. And I would always make it some of the boss music because the boss music was awesome. Yeah, I don't know if that is a well-established thing in certain video game genres or maybe on certain, like, maybe on PC it's super common for people to, like, have iTunes open or Winamp while they're also gaming. So, like, that's, it became a cultural thing. For me, that is entirely a Metal Gear Solid thing. Because in, starting in, oh, God, I want to say three, it's been a little while. 
but in one of the the middle Metal Gear Solids, you can just unlock music, and then your character literally puts headphones in, and you can like scroll through an iPod and like select friggin' music you want to listen to while you're playing. So there's like the the normal ambient music, which is sometimes very subtle and sometimes like really over the top, like crazy orchestra. But you can just choose to listen to not even just other music from the game in Metal Gear Solid. Like it's an iPod, so he has like. Right. 80s jams and like and like <laughs> hip-hop from the 90s i mean just like music like just regular old music like and and not like covers like they actually licensed real music so i i don't know if this the jukebox thing is because they're aware there's kind of only four songs and you're gonna kind of hear them a lot i don't know if it's an homage to metal gear solid or some other genre the same way the game as a whole is like an homage to rogue um but uh, it's it's a fantastic inclusion. Like sometimes you you are like, okay, I've heard this song enough. Yeah, um, yeah, or, or kind of like um with uh, Fallout with the, you know, oh Pit boy, the, how you the can, radio, like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, and and how many feats do you get uh, with each level in Fallout Three? Can you remind me <sighs> on that? <laughs> Dude, why why do you even bother showing up stuff like this? <laughs> so so for. Side story for the for those of our, our listeners who don't know this, um, Lions and I one time were driving in a car, and um, and I was just playing Fallout Three, and he because his lines introduced me to Fallout Three or Fallout the series in general, and uh, I said, uh, you know, hey, um, you know, you get a feat every level in Fallout Three, you know, as opposed to every other level in New Vegas, which I didn't care for, and he, and Lions like, you you only get a feat every other level in Fallout Three. I'm like, no, it's every level in we, we we slapped that over it, we, we and it. <laughs> and and what I really appreciated the most was we were in the car. So you immediately set to looking it up because you were confident that you were correct. <laughs> and so so you just looked up and said, "Well, try not to knock my teeth out when you slap me." <laughs> I mean, you know, I I made my bed, I laid in it. <laughs> yep, yep. No, very, very nice stuff. But anyways, um, so I did think that that was a great inclusion, um. I thought that uh, overall the music was very fitting. Um, like I said, like for each each different area. I know that your ears are typically more honed than mine. Well, so there is something, and I know we talked about this uh, when we played Celeste, and I've I've noticed this in other new but classic style games I've played. This often happens where in the visuals, for some reason, I'm aware of the artistic things that are happening in a more judgy, preachy way. Whereas with the music, when they stop using strictly chiptune instruments and they use like actual instruments or they use other kinds of synthesizers and things that could have never happened on like a classic console, like I notice it, I definitely notice it and I like almost am never bothered by it because I just, I feel something about the pixel art aesthetic is like you are setting yourself a standard as an artist, right? And then, but with the music, I just don't feel like they're obligated to be as true to the chiptune for some reason. And as a person who listens to chiptune, like in my free time, like I just enjoy that genre of music. I hear a lot of music that mixes modern and classic chiptune instruments. So maybe I've just developed a taste for it and it doesn't, it doesn't stand out to me as much, but this game does that a lot. There's a lot of really obvious, very true to form 
classic chip style instrumentation, but then there's just like strings and like other synthesizers and like totally modern, normal things. And, and they do it really well. It's all good, catchy music. It's all like very thematic since each of the four areas is like super different in its theming. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just like, I I enjoy it all, all of that music, but like, this is another thing just like the, the different scaling in the art, but for some reason it doesn't bother me. One of the other things I noticed with uh, with the sound effects in particular was um, that if if an enemy does a thing like just with like the visuals off off screen, there's that, um, you know, little box that, that shows, you, you know, that the projectile is coming at you. It will make a sound as well. Like the, the, the enemies make a sound when they do a thing, whatever that thing is, you know, and kind of whatever um, distance, as long as they're in the same room. Right, exactly. So if they're in the same room, if you're going to have to deal with it, it makes the sound, it it gives you all of the information, which is good because, you know, you're you're being fed a lot of information. So they're giving your brain as many hooks as they possibly can, you know. So there were definitely times where I would hear, you know, the skeleton making the, uh, you know, like bone, I just bone jangly noise. You. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh, OK, you know, and it's just it it's 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 a good way to leverage the sound to um to to you know give you information and they also do it as well with um like when you hit stuff you know is that when you swing on something that you can't interact with it makes a whiff sound when you hit something it makes like kind of a meaty thwap sound and if you hit something where it's like a shield or where you're not hitting it correctly it will make like a gong sound you know yeah and i don't need I don't need things that are squishy to make an I hit something squishy noise. I don't need enemies that are armored to make an I hit something armor noise. I don't need the wizards to make a sword hitting cloth noise. I need to know when I hurt them, when I hurt them, but not as much as I could have hurt them. And when I didn't hurt them at all, like those are especially in a game with like bullet hell style uh, combat elements. I need that audio cue. I need it. I need it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, um, and also, too, they, they have a, a specific sound for when you you done killed it. You know, it goes da, 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 like poof, yeah, little, you know, poof, what do you need? Yeah. Poof, what do you need? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except that Genie's not dying every time that he does that. No, nah, just once. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think with every wish that he granted, he died a little inside. But um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, but no, it's, it's, so again, like it's, it's relaying that information that, you know, Yes, you 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 hit it, you damaged it, and you hit it and killed it. You know because they do have the the health bar at the top, but again, that's not something that you can no, reference. No, it is, it is not quick reference. It's basically there for bosses, and so you can see the funny names that all the monsters have. Yeah, there's all that, and also too, like sometimes if I was going mano a mano against the bad guy, because it's and we can get into this more mechanics, but um, you know, generally the amount of damage that you're doing like is it's it's quantized right like enemies typically take one two or three hits you know um it's just so like whenever you would get that one additional upgrade that now made this enemy a one hit enemy as opposed to two hit enemy like that was a big deal oh yeah you know but sometimes i would take a swing at a thing and then like look up and then just mentally register because again just remembering one two or three hits with this at this level that's pretty easy to remember so you know, just remembering like this bad guy, this enemy type takes two hits, you know, like or, or what have you. And it's also nice, too, is like you said, like with bosses or even the mini bosses, when you're wailing away on them, like you can then check the bar to be like, 
how much longer am I going to have to sustain <laughs> this level of activity? Because, because I, I am, I am swinging for the fences and doing everything I can. And oh, I've done ten percent damage. This is where this person's story ends. Yep, it was good knowing you, Sir Jonas the Eighteenth. Um, so I do have to mention, uh, if because if I didn't, you probably would have that. It makes an armor clanking noise when you walk because you are heavily clad in full plate mail. And I I actually distinctively asked myself, why am I not irritated by this? <laughs> because if you so like we'll get to like how well I played this, but the, the TLDR is like I got stuck for a while where I spent a lot of time like completely clearing entire areas before going on to the next area and attempting to completely clear it. Cause I was just trying to collect as much gold as possible. And right. when you are doing a lot of backtracking, you do a lot of just walking and because the enemies don't respawn, which I think is the right decision for this game style. Yes. So you are backtracking. And if you're just walking down an empty room with no monsters or anything in it, you just hear clank, 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 clank. And I was like, why, why am I not annoyed by that? And it's obvious because you don't actually do that very often. You almost never just walk down an uninhabited hallway completely unhindered. And if you did, you would probably be dashing or double jumping because you're bored. And then the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the time, there's crap going on constantly. And you're not just walking in a straight line. You're jumping, you're duck, you're dodging, you're weaving, you're dashing, you're double jumping, you're triple jumping, you're using your sword to like bounce off a little green platform thing. So you don't often hear long, continuous, uninterrupted stretches of the metal clanking walkie noise and and i was like oh so that's that's a good consideration like should i have this hyper repetitive noise yes if the circumstances under which it would be hyper repetitive are very rare and easy to deal with because if you're walking down a long unobstructed hallway with no enemies you can just jump or dash and then you don't have to hear the noise at all and it can't become annoying so i was like you know, did they put as much thought into this as I'm putting into this right now? Probably not, but it's it's just a side effect of no single noise other than the damage noise and the sword swing noise is likely to become hyper repetitive. And those noises are quite pleasant here because you're hitting things and then they die. Yes, exactly. And also I think that, that like, kind of like what you, you said, which is that, um, like that, that noise basically drops out, you know, when you're just running, jumping, fighting, all that sort of stuff, like you, you don't even notice it. So, and it does just add that little bit of realism as opposed to um, your favorite game, Donkey Kong, right? Um, That's not realistic. Where like, that... <laughs> where like the, the Mario walking noise is so loud, you know, is it's just, it's loud, it's abrasive, and it's all the time. You know, like it is louder than a lot of the other sound effects are. Oh, yeah. Whereas no, this thing, it like, is still vibrating my teeth months later. <laughs> <laughs> it vibrates through time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, you have anything else for for sound, or you want to move on to mechanics? No, I, I think we could move on to the controls and mechanics. Um, and I do have, like, I've had a few times recently, a specific uh, mechanical note I need to call out, which is or a control note rather, which is, um, so you were playing this on a PS4, correct? Mm-hmm. So that is as a PlayStation person, uh, the PlayStation controller and the PS4 controller specifically, I think is the best 
video game controller. Now, the Xbox One Pro controller is really, really dope. That is an excellent controller. <laughs> but I'm just more used to the Sony controller, and their legacy of control, their legacy of controller design has oh. has been a lot better. So uh, I've never been a big PC gamer, but there are certain games that I play on PC for personal reasons, and. Uh, when I do, I'm usually using a cheap uh, Xbox 360 controller that I got. Mm. The Xbox 360 controller has a notoriously garbage D-pad. I mean, a cartoonishly, unbelievably bad D-pad. And I have never been a person who can play a 2D game with the thumbstick, even though they totally mm. allow you to do that. And even though it is kind of appropriate because you can sort of move in all directions, I just, I, I can't, I cannot navigate a 2D platform with the thumbstick. I have to use the D-pad and the D-pad on this controller sucks. It sucks so yeah. bad. And I, I know this is like very 10 year old to blame the controller, but I <laughs> definitely friggin' died because of this controller. Like <laughs> at least a handful of deaths I can directly attribute to the controller because some of them were very unspectacular. Like I went to do the little down slash to open up the little platform and it didn't happen. And I just fell to my death on some spikes. And I was like, cool, cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Microsoft. Yeah, that was great. Cool. great <laughs> when I actually have a note about the controls, which uh, to me using the, the, the Sorny one, um, it was, uh, they, they were very seamless and, Again, like, so to juxtapose it to like, let's say, you know, Toy Story, right? <laughs> I was, I was always like something. If, if ever I thought I can make that jump, I was right. You oh, know? Yes. Like there was never, yeah, there was never a time when I was like, I, I think I can hit this or I think I can do this where I was wrong. You know, like the, your jump height is incredibly high and you're able to control it while you're jumping with like razor precision you know like everything the game responds to you very quickly because if again if you get hit it's gonna it's it's bad like it can be really you know like it's 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 very unforgiving in that thing so they're like we're gonna give you all of the cards that you can you know that you can have and then so that way if you get hit or you take damage or you die that was on you. So it wasn't like a, oh, well, I should have been able to jump higher. It's like you jump like seven times your height. Well, it's just. And, and I, th I think the reason for that is the jumping controls are designed for making micro adjustments in flight to avoid an enemy or an enemy projectile. And yep. that means when you're doing something as rudimentary as regular platforming, you have you're way over engineered for jumping over a small pit. Like it, it's just yep. you know, I mean, it, you you've brought a bazooka to a knife fight. Like it's just it's amazing. <laughs> but that does make traversing the world feel very empowering, which I kind of like. Oh yeah, no, I definitely like that, and I think that they they kind of then tackle it on the back end because what do they do? They put in roof spikes in a lot of areas you know yep. so if you if you get too crazy with the, like i can jump wherever i want it's like you know but be careful because you know you've got to be precise with some of your jumps like there was a lot of them I, I know i ran into this particular room a lot where it was like a a a room area and then a small little tunnel with like spikes on the top and spikes on the bottom and then another little room area so you had to like jump either perfectly get your arc through or like jump up and then dash through and then fall down whereas like that was that was a new one so like you know you couldn't just <laughs> hurdle yourself at it because you you you'd screw it up yeah and 
that actually leads into um, my my biggest note. The thing that I think this game did very very well, which is tailoring the difficulty curve to both avatar strength and player skill. You know, so like, and, and we we had talked briefly about this before, but basically, like, you know, there there are levels in this game. You know, like you you your avatar becomes more powerful over time. You get more hit points, you do more damage, you get more armor, you get more abilities. Your avatar becomes more more powerful. However, like, you know, when you go into, you know, the forest, or what's the forest? Is it the forest? I think, I think it's literally just the forest. Yeah, the forest. When you go into the forest for the first time, not only is everything in there dealing, like, twice as much damage, you know, so your avatar has to be twice as powerful in order to, you know, take the same number of hits the stuff that's coming at you they're they're firing more projectiles they're moving faster they're moving in a more complicated pattern you know so you the player have to be more skilled to approach it like like the if you the player have not become more skilled your avatar would have to become four times more powerful because you're going to be getting hit twice as often yeah by enemies hitting twice as hard twice as much damage yeah yeah so i thought it was really clever and very well done and the fact that they they visually, because like you're in a new area, the visuals are completely different. Everything about this lets you know, like this is a different ball game. So there were sometimes where you know, like I would walk into, I'd just be like running around doing my thing, and all of a sudden I'd be like in the dungeon area, and I was like, nope, time to go. Because <laughs> and not even because like I was like my character is underpowered, they were, but I was like I don't have the skills yet to deal with all of this nonsense, you know? Uh, yeah, agreed, and. I don't think we called out enough in visuals, so I, I will just agree with you that uh, each of the areas is impossible to confuse. They look yes. 1,000% different from each other. They have totally different palettes. They have totally different designs. They have totally different theming. Like, that that's a nice, again, like, you don't have to think about what area you're in and therefore what kinds of enemies you're going to encounter and what kinds of traps you're likely to encounter because you can't forget Oh, I'm in the castle. Oh, now I'm in the Maya. Oh, now I'm in the forest. Like, oh, where was I again? No, you cannot possibly make that mistake, which is right. mechanically, I think, a really excellent use of the visuals. Because you might say like, oh, really? Only four areas? And it's like, yeah, how many of that? How many of those do you really want to have to commit to memory? Right. And and yeah, and no, this absolutely. is something that I uh, I was a little shocked when I first started playing this game, um, because like I said, I, I bought it that same day we started talking about it. And I was, I didn't understand immediately how roguelike the layout was and so i'm like this is a metroidvania like i (laughs) I gotta explore this castle i got a map sometimes i can't like go into an area because i don't have the right thing and that was what made me realize the important difference because i was like george doesn't really like metroidvanias why is he so on board with this game and that was what the the oh, I can't complete this room reality is what made me understand it. Because if you enter the castle and you cannot complete a room, you cannot complete that room, period. You can't leave and go get the item you need and then re-enter the castle. You just cannot complete that room. End of story. And there are rooms that you can't do with like the rooms, the runes you have equipped or whatever. Uh, like if you're gigantic and you need to be a dwarf or whatever. So like, it took me as someone who loves Metroidvania games and has played a lot of them. I died pretty spectacularly a few times in a room that I I could not have possibly succeeded in. And <laughs> it was just like, Oh, right. Because I had to do like a quadruple jump. Otherwise I was going to fall onto spikes and die. And 
I know I can't do a quadruple jump. So what was I hoping to ha- would happen? <laughs> right. And, and so like, once I kind of realized like, Oh, that's it. You never encounter a room where you say, okay, I need to remember to go get the double jump boots and then come back here later because that reality cannot happen except if you use the architect. Correct. Yeah. Like if you, if you're like, you know what? I do have the tools I need for this back at the base. So, you know, like I I do want to get this room, approach this treasure, whatever. So I'm going to lock it down and do that. But then the, the, the cost associated with that is staggeringly high. 40%. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, that's you, that has to be a deliberate decision, you know? Um, yeah, you, you got to really want that fairy chest or whatever, because that I felt like most of the time, the only times I used the architect when I was like, I'm going to go back and get that fairy chest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's real because I mean, you wouldn't want to do it just because I, I think one time I did it because literally the first two rooms I went into had like, honestly, got treasure chests in them. And I and I did the quick ROI math and I was like, eh, this is probably worth it, you know. <laughs> um, And uh, so so we we can't we can't talk about this without talking about the different the the way character generation works you know because like they force you to change your play style oh yeah you know <laughs> and so even even though and and just the act okay so so there's two main things like you get you get three progeny to choose from right and so there's the class that they well actually i guess there, there are really three main three main things that i weighed at least the class that they are mm-hmm. right their secondary, their magic ability, yeah. right? What what magic ability they have, and their traits, like the 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 nuanced stuff, and all of that made that decision so fascinating. Because there were some classes I just straight up never played. What, I was like, nope. What, what, what was your favorite and most hated? Uh, my favorite. Okay, so my my favorite to play, I would probably say was the barbarian, just because I could be a little bit more careless, you know. Um, the one that I got the most utility out of was by far the Hokage. Like mm, they're they're legit. Yeah, like far and away because they they just okay. And so, all right, uh, this is <laughs> I, I swear this is game related, but it's, just, just come with me on a journey here for a second, right? So, okay, so the the, the thing is like because the idea is like oh, well, if you have more hit points, that's better, right? All having more hit points does because I assume that you got you had some runes equipped that had like the vampire ability, right? They fed you hit points back. Oh yeah, and then when I got the one that does magic or MP and HP, I was just like, yes, exactly. So the idea is that you do have like an input, right? So you have an input and a burn rate when you're taking damage. All having a high number of hit points does that's that's, that's inventory, right? Yeah. So so basically, all you're doing is you're saying I am allowed to make bad decisions longer <laughs> before i start making good decisions again you know because like, because <laughs> because all that really matters is your input versus your output right so you know like it's just so hokage fit right into that because like they have low hit points but it's like all that means is that if i i can i can only i can screw up the same amount i just can't screw up a lot at once you know well, and the, the thing about and, uh, the Hokage least... that I found changed my playstyle a lot is because they hit so hard. They hit they so, so hard. And they're fast. And they're fast, yeah. which means you move through the world dealing with way more one-hit enemies. A lot of mm-hmm. two-hit enemies for other classes are a one-hit enemy for the Hokage. So I found myself using them as an explorer class 
like when I was just like, oh, I'm just going to clear the the castle and the forest and then get as far as I can in the tower just to collect money because I was like, everything in the castle and in the forest will be a one-hit enemy for the Hokage. So I can just like jump through the screen and as long as my sword comes into contact with them, they die. And yep. you move through the world very differently when you have that level of confidence that the obstruction will get out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it will fall before your feet. Yeah. And the the class that I straight up refused to play was the wizard man, the archmage, nope. or the the, the mage, mage. Yeah. whatever, yeah. whatever that that piece of human garbage. Yeah, <laughs> no, if, no, none, not not in my family. Okay, you're not going to see any stupid spell slingers. Not not none of my kids are going to grow up slinging spells like on the side of the but, road. But but you know, but what about the spell sword? Well, the, the, the spell sword's <laughs> fine because there's sword in the name. It's, you know? it's, it's right there. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's the spell sword, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I like, yeah, the, and, and I like the spell sword quite a bit. They're, they're, I got a lot of use out of that class, but it does not come up often. No, it doesn't. Um, the Lich was also pretty good. Um, <sighs> just Lich because, was so good. Yeah, because you could like build up your hit points. Like Lich with like a high vampire ability was was pretty dope. Um but the thing that I really loved was that, like, I would sometimes see a class I like, like a Hokage, but then, you know, they had traits that were so devastating to where I would be like, I don't know if I could do this. So, like, and, and especially because, like you said, like, before, is that they, the descriptions are so obtuse where there were sometimes where I'm like, I don't even know what this means. I don't know if I can take a risk on it. And then sometimes they would give you, like, a visual with it, and you're like, I still don't know what this means. <laughs> and then you'd find out. Like at the last possible minute, the the ones that I thought were amazingly creative were, and there there's just so many of them, was the confused one. Yeah, where which, you fire spells backwards. Yes, which was <laughs> hilarious to me because, like, I literally was like, okay, and I just took my knife and like I threw it directly behind me, and I was like, don't, and then just. <laughs> it. Um, that one, uh, the dementia, I think it was. That that was alarming. That like that one genuinely put me off my guard a little bit. Yes, like that there were enemies that did not exist. Yes, you know. Ah, oh, no, although that... there's a clever a clever way they're generous, which is the enemy that does not exist is often an enemy that can't be where you are. Right, and it's still your your brain is still like ah enemy, but if you get clever enough, you can be like, no, that enemy can't be here. That's my imaginary well, just, enemy friend. Well, just as like, you know, you see, I don't know if this is true in, 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 in real medicine, but like you've seen a lot of movies where it's like the way that you sometimes have to cope with that is learning the tells of the things that are real versus not real, which you, the player end up doing, yeah. you know, where you're just kind of like, like, no, that's not real. That one's just in my head and trying to explain that one to Teddy while he's playing around. Like you can't, you can't hurt that one, buddy. That one's, that one's in your mind. <laughs> like, that, uh, Teddy, I don't even see anything. What are you, what are you swinging at? What's happening here? Um, yeah, what's, what's going on with the, that? I had uh, the Vertigo. I think it's called Vertigo where the screen is just literally I, upside down. Instant deal breaker. I never, Wouldn't. Yep. I, I tried it once and I just yep. killed myself to not have to deal with that anymore, which yep. if my life, I actually lived like that, I think that'd be like justifiable suicide. Like I was just, I was like, nope, 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 nope. Like I'm not doing this. This isn't funny. This isn't cute. This Im immediately makes the game completely unfun. And so yep. every time I would see it, like if everything else about that, uh, you know, child, that next generation was on point, but they had vertigo. I was just like, no, sorry. <laughs> yep. Nope. Deal with it. 
um colorblind i thought was really interesting you know the fact that it just puts everything in grayscale and you know um, that that is way more punishing in the tower and the and the underdark than it is in the castle and the forest yes and more punishing than i would have thought in general because they're like oh the screen's black and white i'm like that's not too bad i can deal with that but it does because it desat- it takes all the color out of it right like it does make it a lot harder to see like projectiles coming at you and i was like that was that was kind of clever um uh, they, they, uh, what was a uh, what was another one? Uh, a lot of the vision ones I thought were interesting, like the nearsighted versus farsighted. You know, yeah, those I found those to be interesting additions because some of the traits are there to be more like cutesy, interesting, not to be overwhelmingly positive or negative. And nearsighted and farsighted kind of felt like that. Like if if there was a, a progeny that was nearsighted or farsighted, but they had other things that I wanted, I was like, eh, that's fine. I'll I'll put up with this. And it did yeah. bite me a few times, but it wasn't it didn't make me sink or swim in a broad sense, but it did have a small impact which feels appropriate for nearsightedness and farsightedness. Yeah, exactly. The the one other one there, there were two other ones I just thought were like kind of like fun and interesting, which was um, I forget the name of it, but where where you're afraid of chickens, so all of the chickens are alive and they run away from you. Yeah, yeah that that, that one that, that one took me a minute to put together. Also, the one where you don't have a foot pulse. When I realized that means yes. you don't set off spike traps, I was like, golf clap, well done, well done. Yeah, no, and that that was a huge point in their favor, man. Like if if they had no foot pulse, I was just like, let's look at that um and also the one <laughs> yeah where, where you can see like the parts of the floor you can drop through yeah where it's it's, it's like you can see like all the code and like the, it's it's like you know you see the matrix you yeah. know i'm like ha ah, that's awesome and megan asked a question that i think um i think that they were right to not go this direction it would have been interesting but it would have taken away from what the game is trying to do which is make you constantly be chugging all of that like mental thought while you're like deciding you're like which one which one which one of my children do i want to carry on my name you know because that's basically in my mind what you're doing mm. but she said like so if you consistently pick a one with like certain traits are those traits more likely to come up because what will really bake your noodle later on is will all your children be colorblind <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i was just like i don't think so um because then eventually you just stop seeing some traits altogether which is not what they wanted to do but i was like that would have been interesting you know if you yeah, could, like turn that off or that, on that is a time where going with realism would suck a lot of the fun out of the game where it's like oh you just keep playing as colorblind people so now you just have this overwhelmingly colorblind family it's like yeah but that's not fun like <laughs> yeah. don't, don't don't don't, don't do that um although i think the they do have a bias toward the lower classes because like the Hokages and the spell swords and like the mecha lich, like they don't seem to come up quite as often as like the barbarian and the paladin and the archmage. So like there, there are some biases in the algorithm, but that I'm okay with. What I don't want to see is my choices eventually having actual genetic implications. Well, and cause that's the thing is that, you know, like, like you said, Hokages come up less often. So when there is a Hokage, you're like, yes. But then you, you look and you're like, oh man, this guy's got, you know, like is afraid of chickens and colorblind. That's going to be a pain, but it's a Hokage. I could also just go with this barbarian. Like they, they're, they're they've got like these good things for him. But, and so like, you're just sitting there and it, it's an actual, honestly, decision, which is why 
when you couple that with the fact that the you know it is actually like a rogue it is a it feels odd calling it a roguelike dungeon because it's because you know because it's a rogue legacy like dungeon (laughs) yeah exactly like you know it 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 is but um uh you know, so like I remember one time, like I got a Hokage. They were giants, which I loved that ability. You know, and I was just kind of like, it is time to wreck face because I've got a huge Hokage. Now, now is this is my time. You know, first room I came into, long hallway with spikes on the roof, spikes on the bottom, and platforms you had to activate. Yeah, and I was like, eat me. You know. So- <laughs> so by the time i got out of that first room i had like 20 hit points left and then somebody else just iced me and i was like this wasn't no you were supposed to be the chosen one you were supposed to bring me all the gold not lose it you know so i i have a class question or class comment and a trait question um my class comment is i was incredibly disappointed by the spelunkers because I really wanted because like I said, I was struggling for a while to like get enough money to feel like I was growing at a rate that was keeping the game interesting. And it actually didn't last as long as I thought it did, but it it felt slow. Like there was a, a, like a middle section of the game where I was just like, Oh my God, like every playthrough, I'm barely raising any stats. I'm not finding any equipment. I keep screwing up fairy rooms. Like I was really irritated for a minute and then when i unlocked the splunker i was like yes a class designed for finding money and then they just die or you could just die like they they just die they die (laughs) so easy and i was like this is counterproductive i would rather play for 15 minutes with a barbarian and pick up five times as much money than play for three minutes with a friggin' spelunker who eats it in like the first two rooms like it was just I wanted it so bad. I was so disappointed. And I'm not like, I don't think it's the game's fault. I think it's like my lack of skill to have this super high risk reward character type that I don't have the skill to benefit from. But like, it was so enticing to me and I just, I didn't get to enjoy it. Um, My question is, uh, what does it mean to be gay? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like what in game... No, we've just totally, this is now like a, a whole other podcast. No, one of the traits is, <laughs> is gay. Yeah. And the description, if you're a guy says you like the men. And if you're a girl, I think it says you like the ladies. Um, yeah, but I could not detect any o- obvious difference in play. Like I, I, don't- I think there is a small chance that there's actually like some social commentary there. Like that is a trait that does nothing because why would it do anything? Right. No, I, I think that that, that along with the baldness, you know, um, is also a trait that D- I mean, didn't like, seem it, to do anything. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. And I think that, I think it does two things. One is, is I do think it does kind of make that commentary of it's like, yeah, you know, like, this is a trait. This is a, you know, something that is, you know, like a, a, a something that is true about this person, but it doesn't impact their ability in any way to perform this task that you set out to give them the same thing with like, same with being bald. And I think that having some traits like that means that it's, it's kind of like throwing up a smoke screen kind of where it's like, so when you see something where it's just kind of like, you're afraid of chickens, it's like, Oh, well fine, whatever, you know, or you're afraid of birds. I think is what it says, you know, like, Oh, well maybe that's just another weird one. It's like, Nope, now chickens run away from you. And it's like, well, darn it. Yeah. You know, like, no, actually, so I think that so I'm I'm wondering now if I if I put on my, you know, the world is a good place hat, then I would say 
that was an intentional choice by the designers. I mean, it's a big staff, some of whom were probably gay, uh, who said, we're going to include this just to make people obsess over the question, well, this person's gay. How are they different? And it's like, they're not. That's the point. <laughs> they're, that's the, they're not different. That's the pu- <laughs> Why is it called puzzles? That's the puzzle, you know? Like- but if I put on my conspiracy theory hat, I wonder, because each generation, you choose your heir who succeeds you on your quest, but your other children still exist. So each generation, there are three children. It's just that only one of them is becomes the player, right? That, that you play right. as. I wonder if you choose an heir who is gay, if you are guaranteeing that your next heir will not have any of their traits because hmm. they can't have kids. Or, I mean, if, if we're talking about a medieval fantasy universe with magic, so maybe they could magic a baby. But, like, I, I would I would not put it past these developers who did all these other very, very clever, very, very subtle things to be like, oh, if you have a, a barbarian, a Hokage, and, like, a gay spell sword, and you play as the gay spell sword, the next generation will have no spell swords because the gay heir did not have any children. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Honestly, I, I think that it, like the bald, it's just, you know, like, there's there's no difference. It's just a unique unique trait for this individual you know i would overwhelmingly um, prefer that interpretation i would love yeah. for some developer or even the whole development team to be like there's a bunch of you know bigoted douchebags out there right now obsessing over how how is this gay person different they're not they're not different that's the whole thing like that <laughs> i i really want that to be the truth yes um the one final note that i have is um just kind of to, to talk a little bit about so like you said, like, this is a rogue light, right? I really felt that the choices that they made on, you know, how you, you become more powerful, you know, like over time, I thought it was very well done, especially because you give up initially all and then eventually most of your gold to re-enter the dungeon, right? So the idea is that, like, you, you still, you can't just do a million different runs and slowly will this way. You, you do have to have good runs, you know? Like, because if you walk out of the, the the dungeon with 800 gold and there's nothing that you can buy for 800 gold, then that was a useless run, you know? So, like, you still get that feeling of, like, yes, I got an amazing run. But then at the same point in time, you're you're not, like, the minute that that run is done, you're not, you, you're less likely to, like, put it down because it is building out over time. So I thought, I thought that was very cleverly done there. It's just kind of like, hey spend as much as you want you know but you got to spend it all because you're going to lose it the moment that you re-enter the dungeon you know and, i thought that was a good way to handle that and they have the additional wrinkle that you mentioned of you can get a stat upgrade or a skill upgrade that makes you give the demon i can't remember his name it's some of the c um that makes you give him less money each time all the way down to i think 50 percent. so you get to keep half your money mm-hmm. And there's an item you can occasionally find in the fungion that will allow you to do one additional cycle without giving him any money. And I screwed that up twice where I forgot I had that and I went and spent down the money that I had. And then I was like, okay, I'm going back into the fungion and I have like 20 gold. And he's like, I'm going to take all your gold. Oh, wait, you have my sigil. I'll let you keep it this time. And I was just like, damn it. (laughs) I should have, I should have had along to it, but yeah, I thought, 
like I said, I thought that was a really kind of good way to do that because, you know, then when I when I start getting up to like the 1,000, 2,000, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then like when you beat a boss, you've got like 12,000 gold. You're like, yes. You know, it's just it still it has that same feeling without being as punishing as the traditional game was, which was like, hey, you, you do a run. And then when that run's done, that's it, which makes you way more likely to just play the game for like 15, 20 minutes, put it down and then never come back. Whereas, you know this time at the end of it you're like oh well i was level 20 and now i'm level 50 you know and it, it it makes a difference you know i thought that that was a good way to to give you some kind of permanency but then also too the fact that it is your your progeny your heir that's taking it on it's like when that character dies they are still permanently dead you will never it is very unlikely that you will play that exact character like that class secondary ability and trait conglomeration again that's probably not going to happen. That character existed, and that character is gone forever. So I thought that they they did a great job balancing that without without being punishing. So, so we can can we take a minute? I know we're running a little long, but I don't care. It's our show. Um, can we can we yeah. take a minute before we ask the last question? And talk about the new game plus mechanic. Okay, sure. so I'm going to start this conversation with a story. So uh, I was struggling for a while. I just didn't, I, I wasn't collecting enough gold. I felt like each time I could maybe tick like one stat up or something. I just felt like I was friggin' plodding along. And then there was just this moment where the clouds parted and the angels sang and I had this just impossible serendipity. So I never, I have spent zero time in the Underdark. And I never, I never went there because I never felt like I was confidently safe in the tower. So I beat, I eventually beat the first boss and then I eventually beat the second boss. And then I struggled my way through the tower and I did beat the third boss. And I was like, I'm not confident being in the tower. When in God's name, am I going to be confident going into the friggin' underdark where I know the enemies are way, way ass harder. And so I'm, you know, traipsing about just doing like run after run, trying to get as much gold as I can and just grind it out. And then I had this weird confluence of, I was a paladin. I was in excellent shape. I was hitting shockingly hard. And then I was exploring uh, the forest and I dropped down through the floor and I was standing at the boss door for the underdark. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God. I'm a I'm a class that is good at fighting bosses because if I screw up, it doesn't punish me that hard. And I have a lot of health. I think I actually even had full health and full MP. And then the Underdark boss is like weirdly easy compared to the other bosses because yes. it's just like the slime thing. Mm-hmm. And as long as you stay off mm-hmm. the floor where the spike traps are, like it's not that big of a deal. Oh, and no, it's man. And this paladin had ADHD, so he was like hasted. So that makes mm. the spike traps even less of a problem because you can just march back and forth swinging your sword like a crazy person and chopping the slime into smaller and smaller pieces. So I I, I never experienced the Underdark at all. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what's down there. I don't know what it's like. Like, I just never had to deal with it. And then uh, because I really wanted to try and have this beaten before we recorded this episode, I was like, okay, I'm just going to plow ahead. I'm going to go see what the last boss is like. And you get the very cool, like, you know, little story and, and it was interesting. And I, I kind of liked the little twist and the way they sort of like dig the knife in and be like, ah, we called it rogue legacy for more than just like, you know, nerd reasons. And, uh, I got there and I, I died the first time, but I was like, I know what I have to do. 
like based on the way he moves and on my play style, like I know what I have to do. And my next error, I was like, yes, him. And then <laughs> I gave him <laughs> all the runes that he needed and the best equipment that I could equip him with. And I went in there and just annihilated the final boss, like both forms, nice, no problem. Nice. And I was like, this is weird because I went from feeling like the game had ground to a frigging halt to skipping an entire area of the game and then just annihilating the final boss. And so I tell you all that to tell you this, when you beat the game and you get the new game plus, I was like, oh, this game has a new game plus. And then I, I messed with it for a second and I was like, oh, okay, you basically just play the game again and it's like a proper new mm -hmm. game plus. But because uh, I always complain that they don't include new game pluses when they ought to, this game is like the ultimate in they would have been stupid to not include a new game plus because scaling is a core mechanic of the game. So you just mm -hmm. take the upper bound off of that and you make the enemies get harder forever. Right. And and you yep. make the gold drops, bigger gold drops forever. And people can play. Like I found some YouTube videos where people were on like new game plus like 50, a hundred, 150, like crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah, no, I mean, that was the thing is that when I just walked into New Game Plus, I was like, yep, this is this is what I thought it was. And then, you know, I just but yeah, there again, like you said, no, no reason whatsoever to not add it. Um, so generally we would we would ask, does it hold up? But uh, normally we, we now ask, did this game learn from its predecessors? Uh, yeah, I mean, short answer, yes. Like not only did it learn from its predecessors, but they are trying so hard with this game to, I mean, this, this entire game to me, uh, knowing what I know about gaming history, which isn't that much, which says if I knew more, I would probably even be able to read more of this love letter. But I really feel like this game is like a love letter to rogue specifically, but also like bullet hell games and kind of like these early arcade, like early computer games. And they were like, we want to just do this, but leverage all of what we have learned in the intervening you know 30 years of game design and game development and engineering and computing power and they don't really if you look at each of the individual uh mechanics there's very little in here that is truly novel what is novel about it is the combination of all of these things that had not all of these flavors had not previously been in one stew and someone took the time to make this stew with all of these crazy different flavors. And it turned out it's delicious. Yes. No, I, I, I agree. Did, did this game learn from its predecessors? I mean, like, I think that this, this game in particular, I think when they said, Hey, we're going to make a, a sequel to rogue that, that, I mean, again, you know, like like with a new Metroid game or a new Castlevania game, like this is some big shoes to fill, you know, and I think that they did it delicately and with aplomb. Like, I think that um, it, it's kind of similar to, in my opinion, and I'm sure that I'm going to may, may start a flame war here, but <laughs> it's like the new Rocky Horror Picture Show. Have you seen I that? I have not. It's, it, in my opinion, I think it's very good, you know, because it literally, it took the... The old, the old Rocky Horror. It did, the, it did the same thing, but it did just enough new stuff to make it its own while still paying homage to it. And I think that this is that, where it's like they did enough new stuff, where it's like, oh well, you know, like, the, like 
like it's still it still has the same feel that rogue had where you know like each run is is unique and each run is important like it's important that you do as well as you can on that run because it will help you in this other areas but they still like infused it with some other things that make it a lot more enjoyable and not a lot more playable and 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 ultimately i think that it it, it has a great legacy the curtain falls the music plays the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land battling evil fighting the darkness just sword in hand your memories creep in with the end of a smile